As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it and it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I would love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Welcome again to Second Chance Coaching, and it is my hope that you and yours had a wonderful Christmas day and you're enjoying the holiday season, especially those of us who are celebrating the season of Kwanzaa. So continue to enjoy the holiday season and, and in preparation for the new year at the end of this week. Um, on this week's episode, um, I'm sharing an interview with all of you that highlights the great work of the Prison Journalism Project. You could find the Prison Journalism Project online at prisonjournalismproject.org. This project is led and founded by two powerful sisters in the reentry movement. First, Ms. Yukari Kane, who is the co-founder and CEO and editor-in-chief, and Ms. Shaheen Pasha, who is the co-founder and chief education officer. Yukari is an accomplished journalist with over 20 years of journalism experience, which includes her being a staff writer and foreign correspondent for the Wall Street Journal and Reuters, and she is the best-selling author of Haunted Empire, Apple After Steve Jobs. Shaheen Pasha is currently a professor at Penn State University, and Shaheen is also a veteran journalist with over 20-plus years of experience working at outlets such as CNN Money and Thomson Reuters. I had the pleasure of interviewing Yukari about the Prison Journalism Project, which you'll listen to in a moment. Unfortunately, as I was talking to you guys last week about there were some issues with the editing, there were some breaks and some loss of audio because I was doing the recording and did the interview from my office, which the internet was unstable and the interview and the internet was kind of dying that day. But despite those edits, you'll still get a really good feel of the work of the Prison Journalism Project. Um, I definitely encourage all of you to look up their work, be involved, either by donating, they're going through their uh, end of the year crowdfunding campaign right now, so look them up. They're trying to get to the goal of $50,000. So I encourage you to get in there and um, and donate for a good cause. Or you could also provide your talents if, if you're in the reentry space um, by going to prisonjournalismproject.org. You could also follow them there on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And their mission is really to train incarcerated writers to become journalists and publish their own stories. Publish their own stories, projecting their own voice. I think that's a wonderful thing, and I think that you'll 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 really enjoy seeing what you see on the website, and you'll listen and listening to what you hear Yukari talk about and share with us. You'll enjoy it as well. But despite the few edits, it is my hope that you really do enjoy listening to Yukari as much as I did. So, without further further ado, here's Yukari Kane of the Prison Journalism Project joining us on Second Chance Coaching. 
Welcome again to Second Chance Coaching. This season, we want to intentionally highlight some of the great work happening nationwide and worldwide in the criminal justice reform reentry and, of course, empowerment spaces. As I've talked about in previous episodes, working with my students at the college and teaching speech, one of the principles I emphasize with them is that maybe you cannot sing or dance, but the one thing that we are all born with is a voice, and it's up to you to channel and project your voices and to bring attention to what matters to you what you treasure, and and to take your place in this world. Today, we're highlighting the great work by, by a group that is so innovative in helping individuals from across the country to channel and project their voices. This work is being done by the Prison Journalism Project. So tell us about, we, we talked a little bit about the Prison Journalism Project as far as in my opening. Um, tell, us, tell us about uh, PJP. What is it and how long has it been in existence? Yes, yeah, so PJP has, um, you know, we think about our official start as um, April 2020 when we launched our uh, publication, uh, but uh, we actually got a start a couple of years before that. My co-founder, Shaheen Pasha, who is uh, a professor at uh, Penn State University right now, she was visiting San Quentin on um, re- related to her Neiman Fellowship. And uh, we just, you know, we talk about how, um, you know, we hit it off. We were both teaching inside prisons and uh, thought, saw a lot of potential and opportunity to, uh, to um, expand prison journalism throughout the country, uh, help support the creation of more prison newspapers um, and, and bring, you know, college level prison journalism education inside. <clears throat> and, um, and so we started the first iteration of PJP was very much focused purely on the educational aspect. And, um, and Shaheen um, brings a really personal story to this. She, uh, one of her best friends in high school, was uh, sentenced to 150 years in New Jersey State Prison. And, um, you know, that really appended her perspective and um, understanding of of all the the issues that you know we all know about criminal justice and, and the prison system, and so um, you know she that that's you know we like we talk about that as our origin story. I mean that really brought um, it, you know made what we wanted to do real. Um, the right her friend is is one of our our um, leading writers now, and um, and he's always helped us make you know make sure that we're doing things that. Um, are relevant and real and not just theoretical or, you know, conceptual. Of course, that's great. That's great. So in, in telling us that as far as Shaheen's experience with her friend who's, who's incarcerated and the two of you meeting to teach, um, was anything else on, on your end or anything else that, that inspired you to start this project? Yeah. You know, I think it's, um, like I said before, I was covering, Silicon Valley companies, some of the world's, you know, wealthiest companies and people who dreamt of um, changing the world. And, um, but, and, 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 and that was exhilarating to cover, but that's not why, you know, that's, I think there are a lot of us journalists, um, you know, we come in to um, bring voices to light that might not otherwise come to light. Um, You know, Apple doesn't need help bringing their voice to life. Yes, yes, indeed. And, yes, indeed. Um, and so, so I really, you know, it's, it's not why I had become a journalist. And, um, and I, 
And and really the experience teaching at San Quentin, my first day at San Quentin, I, you know, I, I remember it like it was yesterday and it just appended everything in terms of my understanding of a lot of things about the world. And, you know, like as, as, as an educated progressive person, I mean, I know, I know all the issues, but you don't really know them until you, you meet people, you see people, you see this world. And what I saw was that there were a lot of people um, inside that were, you know, that were driven, ambitious and smart, and that there were so many stories inside that were really important for people outside to know that they should know. And, um, and then the realization that, you know, I'm not the person that should write them that these stories need to come from inside, you know, for several reasons. One, because I can never get inside in, in the way that um, that these these writers are part, you know, live. And um, two, that it's just, you know, they're not my stories to tell. And so um, so maybe, you know, my role is to support that and, and, and help shepherd them through using all the advantages that I've had in my career and in my education. Well, you know, it, we, we, um, our publication started because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Shaheen and I, of course, have, um, have friends who are inside and are connected to people inside and we stopped hearing from them. And I was, you know, a lot of my friends were at San Quentin and uh, San Quentin, um, if you remember, is had one of the worst outbreaks in the country. Yes. I think the, it, it spread through um, uh, a number of uh prisoners who were brought in, uh, transferred in, and some of them had COVID. And, and before you, by the end of the summer, I think something like 70 to 80% of the, of the, um, the population was, um, had COVID. They had tents out in the, in the yard because they couldn't accommodate all these, all these uh, sick, sick people. And so, you know, we were getting not, you know, we weren't getting any information. And this was also, you know, it's, <clears throat> I think, this was pre George Floyd, but I think we were still rolling towards this this you know national reckoning, if you will, and um, we were looking at the situation and thinking, you know, here's yet another. Everybody's talking about this being a historical moment, and here's yet another historical moment where they're leaving out the voices and experiences of a very you know of a community, and that you know what can we do to make sure that they're at least there for the historical record, and so we just put out a. A store, um, a publication on Medium, um, just to see what would happen. Put out an ad in Prison Legal News, um, which a lot of people subscribe to, and the story started rolling in about what was happening. And um, you know, in some ways, it was a really surreal experience because once we started getting the stories, we we understood what was going on inside. And so, while everybody was feeling isolated we were feeling quite connected. Um, And that was, you know, and that was an interesting moment, but the stories were real and they were important. And so we just started editing them and getting them out. Um, Then George Floyd was murdered and we were like, oh, we need, um, you know, we need other stories. And we didn't even have to tell anybody because our writers just started shifting their stories and writing about that too. And, you know, how they were George Floyd before George Floyd, similar experiences, how they felt about it, all that. Um, and so by summer, within months, we, A, outgrew our website, our, our medium publication, but B, mm-hmm. we realized that we didn't even understand how much journalism could be done inside and how many stories there were and how, you know, they're not just for inside consumption. It, there's stories that they can be supported in the same way that newsrooms out here support journalists out here, um, then 
you know, they, that there, there's an opportunity here to help writers inside uh, tell tell stories and report on what's happening inside in a credible way and be a part of the national conversation about criminal justice. And, um, and so, um, and, and, and that led to kind of bringing in our initial intention and, um, and having this mission that we train incarcerated writers to be journalists. We train them in the tools of journalism and we publish their stories on our website and in collaboration with mainstream newsrooms. And so that is kind of our, you know, our um, our mission, our intention, and our um, goals rolled into one. And um, and what that what that means is that we want to help support to to identify to, um, writers um, who want to do this work and help support them so they can be correspondents in their prisons. Okay, wonderful. So when I go on your website, which is, once again, for our listeners, is prisonjournalismproject.org, um, it clearly tells us right away that the PJP is looking to create a national network of prison journalists. And and when you talked about some of your objective and goals, you already talked about a national conversation on criminal justice that comes from the people that are there, that are directly impacted in that moment themselves, and, and training to be journalists. Um in addition to that, so it's, so it looks like it, it gives purpose while they're there, but um, of course, if some, uh, uh, do you guys do anything? Do your objectives and goals also stretch to anything outside of like if someone's released or, or with reentry? Do they continue <clears throat> doing work with you guys? What are some of those some of those other objectives and goals that you guys do? So um, absolutely, the, the the quick answer is yes, yes to all of that. Um, mm-hmm. The reality is is that we're still. Um, two years out of the gate we think of our you know we think of this year as really our first year that we've become an organization the first two years being kind of pilot um up the pilot phase and uh, we're not fully funded yet uh we have our, our big end of the year crowdfunding campaign coming up but um, we're not funded yet and so we have to we still have to be focused and, and make sure that we're fulfilling our main mission but the ambition has always been kind of end to end so you know certainly um, bringing stories to light from uh, formerly incarcerated people, families that are impacted by um, by the criminal justice system. I mean, I think a, most people in this country don't know that uh, there's a good, you know, almost a third to a half of this country who have working, bringing stories to light from the formerly incarcerated people is, um, you know, it's such it's such a challenge, and and I'm sh- I'm sure that you talk about this in your podcast all the time. But it's such a challenge to come out, and we see our you know we see our friends who've come out having to you know it's it's um, you know check in with their parole officers, yes. find a place to stay, find jobs, find you know figure out health care, reconnect with their friends and family for the first time in sometimes decades, and it's so th- there's so much stress that asking them, no matter how interested they are, to do a piece for us is feels like such a, a tall ask. And so we've been having conversations about, you know, like how, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, the message is, is that if you are a writer and you want to talk about your experiences, um, if, if you have, um, you want to put down on paper what that first day was like, you know, what that first experience is like to go into a store and have all these choices and, and be overwhelmed or, you know, 
being able to sleep in a real bed for the first time and how, however knows what that first meal is like, you know, we would love those stories. I mean, we would just love, love, love those stories. And, um, and if you go to our website, it'll tell you exactly how to, um, submit to us. Um, however, um, I think as an organization, we need to do a little bit more research and, and to figure out how we can bring those voices to light without being like that, the straw that breaks the back or, or putting undue, pressure on on um, people because you know we know that our writers you know because we're asking them to write about their own experiences it's it's you know it's it's um it's hard people really you know they care about what they're writing they want to spend time with it they want to be thoughtful about it and you know maybe you're in a halfway house and you can't get a quiet moment to yourself and so um you know it's um I'm not sure. We're, you know, we're not sure how how to um, how to work with that, but you know, we want to figure it out. But even as I tell my students, and I'm listening to you talk this talk about what's going on, the journey is just so new and exciting because there's so many possibilities that are there. Mm-hmm. So I, I I love listening to that. With that said, with so many possibilities and everything that you talked about, so on the typical day when you're not talking to someone like me, what does a typical day look like for you? <laughs> It is, it is crazy. Um, a typical day, um, hopefully includes some editing. Um, I am, we're very blessed to have an incredibly talented and dedicated staff, um, small. And so, um, a lot of times we're discussing things, you know, right now it's, um, it's interesting. The first two years, um, you know, Shaheen and I were doing a lot of the work ourselves. We were editing, we were getting stuff out. We were trying to fundraise. We were, we were trying to build curriculum and we've gotten to the point where we can, um, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit organization now and, and we've got a small staff. We don't have to do it all all ourselves. And so this year very much has been one of trying to organize ourselves. So we're creating a structure to be able to do this work more broadly and to serve more writers more quickly and, and be intentional. And so one of the things that we did um, over the summer was we, we are um, finishing up a handbook. It's going to be about 100 pages. Uh, we call it a handbook on media writing, and it has everything from journalism instruction to um, primers on your rights as a journalist, even inside, style book, um, you know, how to, how to take care of, uh, you know, wellness related to writing because the editing process can, process can be uh, emotionally exhausting. And, yes. and, yes. How, <laughs> and, and um, you know, just support on, you know, how to think about your, how to assess your own risk. Um, You know, some people who are inside are willing to take all the risks to get their stories out. Others, not so much. And it really depends on, on your personal, um, you know, where you are personally. And so, you know, it'll include a quiz to um, help you understand um, what you need to about yourself and the kind of stories you want to write um and um and it includes a lot more it's uh, it's also we tend to also include 10 blank pages that people can use for writing because we know that not all prisons um allow you know writing paper freely and so um that's something that we're we're looking to roll out we've created the six stages of writer progression as we as we talk about it and so if stage one is your first submission stage six is um is correspondent and so um giving ourselves a metric and um and and accountability uh so we're moving writers through an intentional progression um 
you know, um, we, we don't talk about this uh, publicly in our, in our communication inside because um, I'm not sure how it would land. But, you know, we think about it as a career progression. Okay. Well, once again, we're here on Second Chance Coaching speaking with Yukari Kane, who's a co-founder and co-executive director of the Prison Journalism Project. Once again, you could find them online at www.prisonjournalismproject.org. Um, my next question for you is, um, I saw online, and we talked about this before we started recording, um, I see so many great projects you're doing, the, the J School, the Pit, the Mighty Pen. So do you mind speaking to us about some of those initiatives or any other things that you guys are doing that you want to highlight? Yeah, um, so you're talking a lot about our PJPJ School initiatives. Uh, and so part of, the, the part of what we're always thinking about is how do we get instructional information to as many writers as possible in in institutions with various restrictions. And so, you know, some of it is trying stuff out. Um, one of our most successful is PJP Inside. And so from the beginning, our writers wanted a way to read each other's work. And um, as soon as we were able to get that funding, um, we uh, created a, a print newspaper. It's about eight pages with the best stories from our site. And uh, we've turned it into an instructional newspaper. So every story has a tip on, on how others can write stories like this, what we liked about the story. And then there's a few pages that are, um, that are, are we call them um, learn, and um, we'll do annotations, we'll break down a story and, and um, we'll um, provide some training and instruction on how they can write um, different kinds of journalism stories. The next issue that we have coming out um, has an interview with Dwayne Betts, um, the poet, about um, you know, how, the, how he started writing inside prison. And, um, and so um, it's won a couple of journalism awards. Um, we are, it's something we're really, really proud of. We, we, we are, um, you know, humbled to be acknowledged and, and, and proud to be acknowledged by the journalism industry as some, as, as um, a community newspaper um, with um, a meaningful contribution. Um, and then we have, um, you mentioned the pit and um, pit is short for the point is this. Pitt is also jargon in the journalism industry to talk about um, a part of the newsroom where uh, a lot of, um, of um, you know, stories are, are short stories are, are done and, and, and go through and are edited. And, um, and this was started by uh, an old mentor of mine, a former editor at Reuters. And, um, and it was just meant to be kind of three page Again, bite-sized instructional, practical um, material based on some of the some of the um, uh, the story the, the stories that we were seeing and in, in areas where we felt like a lot of people could use some extra training, and um, and so that was an experiment. We've since transitioned transitioned that to the Mighty Pen. Uh, which is uh, we believe it's the first of its kind. Um, it's it's an e-newsletter bite-sized e-newsletter through JPay, GTL, and others. And so the idea was, you know, the starting place was all of us out here are getting newsletters, e-newsletters in our mailboxes all the time. And why couldn't we do that with people inside? Um, you know, PJP Inside comes out, uh, this year came out twice a year. And that's, and in between, so many of our writers like, well, you know, we want to learn some more, give us some more, give us some, give us some more. And we wanted to find a way to uh, be able to do that without, um, you know, with without really um, draining our resources. And <clears throat> we thought, well, you know, 
what if we could just even once a month or twice a month send out these bite-sized um, tips again? And so we've got a professor at University of Massachusetts in Amherst, who, uh, Roz C.D., who has taken that on. And um, so far, it's gone over really, really well. Um, our biggest challenge always is that, you know, our writers inside are so passionate and eager and, and, and they always want more. So they're like, it's too short. And we're like, well, then you talk to GTL about your 15, you know, their 1500 character limitation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could tell you, I, I loved it. I actually today subscribed to the newsletter and I got the oh. email. I got the email a few minutes later and it was really it was really good work. I shared it I shared it with my speech students because they were because even though we're not doing journalism, I shared it with speech because talking about really because I always talk to them about your voice, your voice, because they always get worked up about anxiety and things of that nature. So I'm be done. Um, we're unpacking whether the should is actually should all the time and, and various things. And so we want a PJPJ school that is effective um, and um, and that we're intentionally bringing our writers through from that stage one first submission to correspondence at a steady rate. This, this work is hard. It's competitive out here as well. And so not everybody is going to make it. But we want to make sure that we're giving voice, not just to, you know, not just to people who already come educated, but people who might have never written, but just have this really incredible insight or observation or just passion and are willing to do that work. Um, and that we're bringing those um, those writers with us and that they reflect the full diversity of the community. Um you know, I, we think that that's really, really important. You know, we 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 know of some publications that are work in this criminal justice space, and they say, you know, like we're having trouble getting diversity, and and part of that is because their bar, you know, they set such a high bar, right? <clears throat> Yes. And we think, and we, you know, we, we support that. We, we don't believe in lowering the bar, but we think that the piece that we can provide is to make sure that more writers are, you know, have the support they need and the training they need to get to that bar because nobody does it alone. Um, and so, um, and so then we have a full scale newsroom that can not only support the work that our writers are submitting to us, but that we can start developing story ideas with them. And so part of the promise for me as a journalist and the opportunity is, you know, how do we provide the support so our writers can um, help connect the dots between what is happening in isolated prisons? Oftentimes there's a trend there that nobody sees because it's happening in isolated locations. Um, so how do we connect those dots to create stories um, that that should matter out here? Um, as all these conversations are taking place. And then the second is, what kind of potential um, can we bring forth if we combine the inside of, inside reporting with really good outside reporting by journalists? And mm -hmm. so writers inside have, you know, their, their competitive edge, so to speak, is that they have unparalleled uh, first-person experiences and direct observation and direct interviewing abilities. They don't have internet. The, I think the, the, the edge for um, the outside reporter is, of course, you know, all the experience that they have, but also their ability to report outside. And so we think that there's there's probably some amazing stories to to bring forth if you combine the both. And so how do we provide that support? And then what we really want is we want, you know, this is an ambition for, you know, for our writers, but we want them to um, 
we want them to work with PJP, learn from PJP, and use the PJP publication to gain the experience and the credibility and publish in mainstream newsrooms too. I mean, we, we don't, we don't, we're not looking for exclusive relationships with our writers. We encourage them to, to start writing as much as, um, where their ambition takes them. Um, one of the things that we're real, we've realized um, early on, and, and we realize all the time, is that people inside are so resourceful, and um, and we don't want to control what they're going to do with the tools that we give them because they have so much initiative. And so, you know, this past year we had um, uh, a pilot program in reported essay writing, and we invited twelve students to participate in that. And a bunch of them were started teaching the course to other people around them. And, um, you know, some of them started pitching the stories uh, successfully to outside publications on their own. I mean, they're taking it in directions that that are right for them. And we think that's the way it should be. That's great. That's great. What can we do as a public to help or be involved with what you guys are doing at PJP? Uh, so many ways. Um, <laughs> one of the ways that um, you can be involved is to read our story, sign up for our newsletters. Uh, we are also work using newsletters to try to figure out, you know, what are what are um, what are the, how can we tell stories in a relevant way and an interesting way. Um, Social media, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we um, final words. I mean, I think that. Um, Writing, I mean, writing for me personally has always been a powerful way of giving voice. And, um, and you know, we, we think that everybody can write, everybody can learn to write. And, um, you know, we, um, and, and, and writer or not, we'd love, you know, we encourage you to, to start writing, regardless of whether it's for PJP or not. Mm -hmm. um, and in the meantime, there's so many stories inside that are, so important, so memorable, and um, and really engaging to read, and um, and so we would just love for you to start reading. And um, over here, and um, and if you could follow us on Twitter at, at Prison Journ, and on Instagram and Facebook, we're at Prison Journalism. Um, that would be awesome. Okay, that'd be great. Once again, Yukari, I want to certainly thank you. Thank you. You and Shaheen, two powerful sisters doing so much great work. And so I'm very in this empowerment space. So it means so much that you joined us here, here at Second Chance Coaching. Thank you for all the work you do. We'll keep in touch. I know Shaheen had a birthday recently, so tell her happy birthday for us. And, uh, and thank you so much again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again for joining us here at Second Chance Coaching. In addition to coaching services for individuals and businesses, I'm also available for speaking engagements and workshops on criminal justice reentry, human resources, as well as organizational culture and leadership. Feel free to email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, every day you are given this opportunity for your second chance, and I know you'll make the best of it. I love you all, and I look forward to connecting with you next time here at Second Chance Coaching.